Welcome to the Georgetown Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we share sermons from our most recent worship services. To learn more about GBC, please visit us online at georgetownbaptist.org. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Their chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They went to the tomb early this morning. Oh, sorry. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when when he broke the bread. So one of the best parts about moving to a new place is hearing from everybody who's already been there and uh, getting the scoop on all the places that you need to go visit, all the places, all the sort of touristy things you need to do, and all the places that you need to go eat. And so you all have been really good about giving us names of places. You got to go here. You got to go here. This is a big deal in Georgetown. This is a big deal in Lexington. And so because of that, a couple weeks ago, we found ourselves um, eating at Joe Bologna's in Lexington. And so um, as we are there, uh, we, uh, you know, the building is beautiful and the servers are nice, but what's the reason that you go there? Breadsticks, that's right, amen. So, uh, so we had ordered a breadstick 
a breadstick for Sarah and I to share. And um, so we have this sort of signal between us that we don't even have to articulate anymore um, in our marriage where when, you know, she, uh, when she's full of whatever it is she's had, she'll just sort of offer it up to me and I generally want it. And so, um, and let me just say, uh, Sarah loves me beyond any reason that she has a right to. I have married so beyond, outkicked my coverage significantly. Uh, she's incredible, incredibly protective, incredibly loving. In fact, um, when she was uh, just about to pop with Andy, just as pregnant as she could be, we were at a church in North Carolina and it was not going well. Uh, there were people, I know you find this hard to believe, but who did not like me. And so one of them felt the need to tell me repeatedly and often. And so it was, uh, you know, my weekly sort of uh, verbal tongue lashing from this guy. And I tried to hide it from her when I came home. She's like, how was your day? Oh, I did this, I did that. And she went, you're not saying something. I was like, I, I, I also, I, I had to go talk to Bill. Really? What did Bill say? You know, I can't remember. It's not a big deal. Tell me what Bill said. So as I am going through the details of what Bill said, she starts to move around. And she's kind of looking around. I said, what, what are you doing? She's like, well, uh, I don't have my keys near me, so I'm going to need to borrow your keys. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, and I can't reach my feet, so I need you to put the shoes on my feet, and then I need you to give me keys. I said, what are you talking about? She said, because I'm going to go over and I'm going to let Bill have it. Now, don't tell her I said this. That's not what she actually said. She used other words, but the general meaning was I'm going to let Bill have it. And I had to talk her out of going over and body slamming a very old man, uh, you know, nine months pregnant. I say all that to say this woman loves me. And when I looked at her when she had um, bitten, bit into her breadstick and I said, are you done? She looked at me and in front of everybody went, don't you dare. <laughs> I said, okay. And we said, we're, we're definitely going back, but we're ordering more breadsticks next time. I don't know for you, what was the last time that you had a really memorable meal? What was the last time that you had a meal that immediately when I say that, it pops to your brain? Now, it could be because of the food you had. It could be because either you or someone fixed something incredible and you just, you can still taste it. But it might not have had anything to do with the food at all. In fact, it might have been pretty normal food, but what may have been special were the people that you were around. Because there are meals that are beautiful and wonderful and incredible and stick out, not because of the food you eat, but because of who is gathered around the table with you. We are continuing our series that we're calling The Work of the People. And what we mean by that is we always and forever and every week we will acknowledge that we, as individuals and as a collective group, 
aren't the ones who started off with the action. God is the one who began. God is the one who created. God is the one who saw us in our dismal state and made a way for us. God is the one who brought the hope for eternal life through Jesus. God is the one who did all of that. The work of the people is to say, because God has done that, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? And we've talked several ways about how we could respond. So the first one we talked about was this idea that we unite under Christ. In a culture where we are very quick to name differences and to draw boundary lines around each other and then to use those boundary lines to hate each other, what if all of the different things that we are drawing lines around each other, what if none of those are more important than our allegiance to Christ together? And what if we as a church could be a countercultural force that says, we choose to be together not because you all agree with me 100%, but because even in our disagreements, the thing we have in common is way beyond any sort of petty squabbles that we may have with each other. What if we decided we are going to be different and we aren't going to be hating other people because of what they believe. We aren't going to be heresy hunters. We are going to be the people who say Jesus is first and anybody else who believes that, join us here. We start with uniting under Christ. Then we talked about this idea that, I mean, that's great to unite, but what are we going to actually be doing as we unite under Christ? And so we looked at the, the, the Great Commission. We looked at Jesus' command to go and make disciples in all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And we talked about how we're called to make disciples. We're called to make disciples in children's and youth ministry. We're called to make disciples of people who aren't followers of Christ. But it's not like it's some sort of mad rush to just get people dunked in the baptismal over there check them off the list and move on to somebody else. What we want to do is what Jesus is doing, which is creating a kingdom of God. So we think that our job is to make disciples who make disciples. We want to, we want to present a picture of Jesus that is so good and so beautiful and so wonderful that when people lay claim to that, they then want to go and tell others about it. That it continues the cycle so that two, three, four steps down the road, people who we would never see, never encounter, never even have a chance to know, are hearing the good news because of the discipleship that we are pouring into the people around us. We make disciples who make disciples. And then we talked about this idea that we serve. But we don't just serve begrudgingly. We don't serve grumbling. We don't serve going, fine, here you go. Here's Jesus. Ugh, are you done now? We serve joyfully. That our job is to serve joyfully. Not out of our own strength, but as we stop and remember all that God has done for us, as we think about the blessings in our life, as we are filled more and more with gratitude, that overflows in how we serve and care and love other people. Then last week, we talked about the idea that we pray faithfully. And to pray faithfully has a couple of meanings. The first one is we pray consistently. We pray and we pray and we pray because we believe this is what God's called us to do. But praying faithfully is also praying 
understanding and trusting and believing that God has the power to do what we are asking to be done. We aren't just throwing magic words up and hoping something good happens. We trust and pray to the God who has all power and can transform all things. So today, we come to a new idea. And the idea today that we come to that I believe is the work of the people is that we gather around the table. And our scripture that Jerry read so well today was a, it is beautiful because it gives us two or three different ways in which that plays out. Two or three different ways in which we have the opportunity to gather around the table. So the, the story begins with these two disciples and they have, uh, they are discouraged and they are disillusioned and they don't know what to do. And so they just start walking towards home. They just, they don't know what they have seen. They can't interpret what has happened. So they just start walking towards home. And one of the most beautiful parts of this beautiful story is that Jesus meets them as they are heading the wrong way. They don't have all of their theology correct. They don't have all the pieces put together. They haven't checked off the list and gotten everything going. They are disillusioned and disappointed. They think that whatever was supposed to happen didn't happen, and so now there's no hope. And so they are heading home, and Jesus shows up, and he says, what are you guys talking about? And they say, have you been under a rock? Well, technically. Where have you been? Right? It's good, right? It's good. Just, I didn't do that in the first service. That was, that was just right off the top of my head. Like, all it takes is one person laughing. You did it for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so the, wh- where have you been? How have you not heard about all that's going on? But if you go back and read, they don't, what they say is Jesus was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed. We thought he was going to be something special, but it, it didn't work out. Uh, and then we heard this story that the, these women couldn't find his body and the Other disciples went and an angel talked to them. Ah, None of it makes any sense. We're just going home. And so Jesus, right then, begins to teach them. And it says he teaches them as they are walking, on their way. He shows the whole arc of Scripture, the narrative from the beginning all the way to Jesus, and points them to a deeper, clearer, better understanding of what it is Jesus is doing, who, it is, who Jesus is, and how God is at work through him in the world. And that is one of the first ways that we gather at the table, and we gather metaphorically, is when we choose to come together, when we choose to let Jesus teach us, what we do is we find that our misconceptions and our half-stories are filled in with the truth of who God is and the truth of what God is doing. We all know this kind of picture, right? You, um, you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. Now, you, um, being a good Christian, probably are busy praying for the person and probably thinking nothing but good things for them. But imagine somebody else, not as holy as you, driving the car. And when that person cuts them off, they're probably voicing some sort of displeasure. They probably already have a picture in their brain of what kind of driver this is. And they might spend a few miles just coming up with a story of what a goober this person is, right? 
Imagine somehow, though, you could know that the person that is cutting you off has their spouse of 65 years in the passenger seat who's having trouble breathing. And they're trying to get that person to the hospital as fast as they possibly can. If you somehow had that story, some of us would try and go out in front and clear the way to make the way for them. It would completely change how we understood it. It would completely shift what our thinking is. And that's what these disciples that are walking away are facing. And honestly, most of the time, in some way or another, that's what we have. We have half the story of what's going on. And only having half the story of what's going on, we look around and we say, ugh, nothing good's happening here. And Jesus met them in that moment. And when we gather around the table, and in this sense, gathering around the table would be like worship or Bible study, or our prayer book study, or any of the things that we do, any of the things that we make time Sunday school to, to weave ourselves together and invite Jesus to meet us there and to teach us, when we gather around the table in that way, what we do is we put our half story on the table, and we let Jesus give us the bigger picture, the bigger picture of God's love, the bigger picture of our brokenness, the bigger picture of the hope that comes through faithful living in him. So that's one of the ways that we gather around the table. And then we come to the next part, and I, I, I love this part too. It says that Jesus uh, made, made as if he were going to keep moving, and the two guys said, no, 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 stay. Now, uh, I don't know about you, I don't know... Um, one of those things where, you know, if you were going to say to me, hey, um, I'd love to make you some banana pudding. Now, what I'm supposed to say back to you is, oh, no, no, no. That's a lot of work. Please don't do that. That's horrible. Now, it might be undercut. My words might be undercut if I somehow magically already have a spoon in my hand and I'm already like tying a napkin around my neck of like, yeah, please don't do that. So when, like today or tomorrow, just whenever, my schedule's free. Just let me know when that's coming. I don't think Jesus is going, all right, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. Here I go. Oh, you invited me to stay. Because that's not what Jesus does ever. Jesus, the, mo- you know, the one who is the Son of God, the most powerful one of all creation, never invites himself in if you don't want him there. If you've decided your life is good without him, Jesus isn't going to force his way in. And if these guys said, okay, have a great time, see you later, Jesus wasn't going to force his way in. But when they said, no, 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 stay, they are blessed beyond belief. When they gather around the table with Jesus, he takes and blesses and breaks and gives out the bread, which are the same verbs that he does in the uh, feeding of the 5,000. And what he takes is these meager elements and turns them into something beautiful, something profound, something incredible. He turns them into a place and an encounter where they see God clearly. When we gather around the Lord's table for the Lord's Supper every month, what we are doing is we are reminding ourselves 
literally, of the good news of the gospel. We are reminding ourselves of how good God is, how hopeless we were, and how God bridges that gap through Jesus. And when we gather, we have the opportunity to reflect on our brokenness, to confess our sins, to ask for Jesus' forgiveness and mercy. We have the opportunity again and again to encounter the good news literally and have our eyes open to see God's work in the world. So we gather around the table in worship and in Bible studies. We gather around the table in this particular way through the Lord's Supper so that we can better understand, so that we can better see. But we also, then the last part, what do they do once Jesus vanishes? They don't look at each other and go, wow, that was weird, right? All right, night. They are so excited. Scripture says within the same hour, they ran back to Jerusalem. They ran back to Jerusalem because when you encounter God, when you gather around the table and encounter God, you can't help but want to tell others about it. You can't help but want to share the good that you have experienced, the good that you have seen. We've talked about this before, but I grew up with this really sort of negative, scary version of what evangelism was. I grew up with this picture of, I have to have all the answers, and I've got to be ready, because if I tell somebody about Jesus, and they have a question that I don't have an answer for, they're going to laugh at me and then decide never to come to church ever. And so this sort of burden on a uh, burgeoning perfectionist was more than I could handle, of like, this is just not for me. But that's not really how it's supposed to work. What if instead it's very much like, although in much bigger, more important ways, how you all suggested the things that we should do when we're here? You said, look, I've been to this place. I have experienced this. This is good, and I think you will like it. I've been to this place and I've seen this thing and it was so good for me. I want that for you as well. And what if, with something way more important than breadsticks, that's the invitation that we have. This experience and encounter with God that I, that I have is so good. I want you to have that too. When I encounter God through church, through my friends, through Sunday school, through the small group, through whatever it is, gosh, I think that could be such a blessing for you, just like it's been a blessing for me. I wonder who in your life would benefit from that. Who in your life would benefit from being able to gather around the table with you so that you can simply share with them, this has been so good for me. I wonder if it would be that good for you, too. We gather around the table so that we can better understand the nature of who God is and what God is doing. We gather around the table so that we can be confronted again with our sin and God's sacrifice and love. And we gather around the table to be filled so that we can go and share what we have been given to others so that they can see and encounter Jesus just like we have, so that their lives can be transformed just like ours have been, so that they can know the peace and grace and goodness and love and all of the blessings that come just like we have been given. 
This is what God's called us to do. This is part of the work of the people. We gather around the table. Would you pray with me? God, we name our brokenness and we name our sin. We name those ways in which we have turned away from you, living out half the story and only part of the truth. God, we rejoice in your mercy and your grace, your freedom and your love. We rejoice that Jesus made a way for us and we have the opportunity, God, to gather around the table, to learn more, to be filled and to share that with others. What a gift it is to worship today. What a gift it is to be here with so many wonderful brothers and sisters. We pray, God, that you will guide our words and our thoughts, our steps and our actions as we seek to glorify and serve you. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.